Mitchell Jones, thank you for being with me today. Thank you. Here with Mitchell Jones. Could you say a little something about who you are, what you do? Yes, uh, I am Mitchell Jones. I am a gay pastor in the black church at this particular time. I um, man, grew up in the church. I've got pictures of you know sitting on the piano at two years old with the Bible in my hand while my mom is playing. I've uh, been, you know, so I've been around the church, singer, uh, musician, choir director, you know, teaching parts, musician, worship leader, all those things. Um, and I've, you know, started pastoring in 1996 and I've been doing so, um, been doing so since then. Great. Got five kids, was married at one point, um, born in New York, grew up in Virginia and currently, you know, still in Virginia. It's possible some listeners could have seen you 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 on the the Oprah Network on the program which I've forgotten the name of. Fix my life. Yes. <laughs> um, and talking about your story and kind of what how it developed that you came out as a gay pastor to family as well as people in your community. Can you say a little bit about? that that whole story sure um i actually um you know the show was just taped um was just taped in march of this year 2015 and just aired in the end of september and the first part of october um but for me that story actually began almost six years ago so um you know i made it i made my wife aware you know in 2009 that i was what was at that time i just considered myself to um, to to prefer men. That was how I, I coined it. And it wasn't until um, going on Fix My Life and being a part of that show that I actually would say or could say that, oh, okay, wow, well, I'm a gay man. Um, because I felt like that was that was a label. And I've never liked I've never liked labels or being put in a box. Um, but you know, based you know, from a societal standpoint, that's how it's viewed. And that's you know, that's that's who I am. For my family, um, after my ex-wife and I decided to separate, I made them aware. I set my parents down with my siblings and their spouses to, um, you know, just to let them know what was going on because I didn't want want them to get it from any from anybody else. Yeah. And about six months after that, I made um, you know I made the people at the church aware that you know th- that this is this is who I you know this is who I was. I, I preached about my struggle. I preached about um, at the you know, I preached. In 2004, at the point that I, you know, believed I was delivered, you know, preached the sermon. It's it's, it's on tape. It's um, I took it and made a manuscript out of it, and you know, wrote a book. I still have the manuscript on my on my jump drive right today. Um, you know, from you know from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but doing the show for me was about hoping to have the conversation um, because the conversation does not does not take place in the black church at all. Um, You know, predominantly white congregations are a little bit further, much further, actually, um, in general, or just just the culture in general is much more ahead um, of the black community than, you know, in dealing with the subject. So for me, initially doing the show was was about that. And in the process, I realized that, okay, yeah, there's some things that if I'm going to go forward to be able to have this conversation that I need to to make my ex-wife aware of. And um, and then in the process, I discovered, wow, there are some things about me that I really didn't um, that I really did not fully that I really did not fully own. And that was that I wasn't as out as I thought I was. Um, I, I realized that in the process. So, you know, doing that whole thing, I mean, I, 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 
I have a list of 13, you know, just 13 things that I became aware of or became reacquainted with about myself, um, you know, during the, during the process of that show. And I really wish that people could see all of the footage from the five days of taping, you know, and not just what they got in, in about 144 minutes of airtime. Sure, um, sure, but, you know, sure. yeah, definitely a great experience. I would imagine throughout a lot of this over the course of the years of what you just explained that a lot of the people in your church, a lot of family, I mean, I, I expect there was some, some kind of backlash, some criticism, some misunderstandings. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, because it was for some, it was, you know, we don't, we don't understand. We thought you were delivered. You preached about it. For others, it was, you know, you knew all the time and, you know, your ex, you know, your wife was just your cover up, um, you know, to the, you know, we just don't know, you know, how you can, how you can, you know, think that this is right. I mean, it's clear in the Bible that this is wrong. This is an abomination. And, you know, you're, you're backslid and you're reprobate. You, you just need to be forgiven. The Lord forgives you. Just, just repent. You know, yeah. I, 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 I heard all of that and I've heard, you know, even the, you know, I, we get it. You know, we're, we're, I, I support you. Yeah. I've, I've heard, I've heard all of it. And, and I'd imagine over the years that your perspective on all of this has changed as well, right? What do you mean? On, on what it means to be gay. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, because that wasn't a term six years ago, that wasn't even a term that was in my vocabulary to describe myself. Yeah. Or even, <laughs> or even to describe someone else. Oh, absolutely. That's true. That's yeah. true. Correct. Um, you know, I, I I think we've seen maybe even in just only the past few years, maybe the past 10 years, um, within kind of the church at large, I think we kind of went from this perspective of homosexuality is this deception, it's this, uh, it's the influence of the devil, and you have to be delivered from it. And I think then we kind of evolved, it seemed, into this place of, well, maybe it's just the way you are and it's a temptation that you will always have, but you have to kind of just hold it back. Yeah. And it's like, it's like everybody else's sin. You know, you, one person is tempted with same-sex attraction and another person's tempted to, to eat too much apple pie. Yes, and it seems that that's the way that's the place a lot of churches are right now. What's what's wrong with that perspective? Well, I think I think the thing that is it is wrong that's wrong with that perspective is that um, you know a lot of times you know faith is just that it's it's belief and it's it's blind and it doesn't mix. Um, most people don't mix faith faith with logic. Um, a lot of times people don't like to mix faith and science. Um, so they don't, they just get the one perspective that this is what I believe. And they really don't know why they believe it, except that this is what they've always heard. Sure. And somebody read something and explained it to them and it made logical sense to them. So that's what they went with. Yeah. Um, so they, you know, people don't really understand. I remember some years ago, even reading in a counseling book that I, that I bought to, you know, to help me out you know, counseling, spiritually counseling people as a pastor. And, you know, I remember reading that section about homosexuality and, and hearing the argument of, of genetics. And, and, you know, of course that was a stretch for me to, to read that in the late nineties, you know, early, early two thousands, right. but you know, 2015, it's a viable, 
it's a viable consideration for me. Um, you know, because I just don't believe that this is something that anyone chooses. I certainly know it's something that I didn't choose. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't also I do not believe that if God is omnipresent and omnipotent and he can do whatever he wants to do, he wouldn't give the devil that much power over anybody. Yeah. <laughs> to, you know, to wreak this kind of emotional trauma um, that even leads many people to suicide. Yeah. You know, because because of how it's handled and how they're dealt with um, because they express same sex attraction. I don't, you know, um, I don't think, I don't think that that's, I don't think it's, I don't think it goes, that it goes that far. Sure. Yeah. I was just talking with someone um, and we were talking about, we we're talking about this issue and the way it's understood from by different Christians and his perspective was that it's simply basically a rule that's set up in the Bible. And this this person has a daughter who's gay, um, but he still, you know, doesn't understand it as something that is just the way she is, even though he saw it in her, he said, from when she was young, like sixth grade. Um, but he talked about the damage that sin does. Um, and I asked, what damage do we see to people who are living a gay lifestyle? What damage do we see from people who are identifying themselves as gay? And uh, I don't know that he really came up with something particular, but it strikes me also that we likely are doing more damage to people when we tell them it has, it's, it has to be repressed, when we marginalize people for saying they're gay uh, can you say something about that, about the way that, that damage is done when we tell people that they can't admit this? Well, I think I think one of the things, the first thing that comes to mind that's, that's done, um, again, it sends people, it sends some, a certain number of people into a down spiral of, you know, God doesn't love me. Um, you know, I've tried to get rid of this thing. And if this is so, so bad, so sinful, so wrong, an abomination. I don't want it. And, and God couldn't love me. So, you know, again, the suicidal thing, the suicide comes in, um, for others, uh, you know, for, for others, it's that, you know, you're, you're, you're an outcast, you know, so you feel like you're alone. You don't feel like anybody, you don't feel like anybody understands, you know, what it is, what it is that you're dealing with. Um, and so you don't feel like you, you can, you can relate to people. You don't feel like, um, you can you can talk to anybody. You don't feel like you can you can trust anybody. Um, so you know th- those are some of the things that I th- I think happens. You know when when somebody can't say another thing that I think happens that people don't really talk about, um, which I'm going to talk about in a book one day <laughs> real soon is um, that that sexual um, repression of that of of same sex attraction. I, I really believe if a, if a lot of people would really look at um, the their, their men who have who have been um, um, sexual predators of underage children, or they've caught themselves in a situation innocently, but now they've done something to this little boy that that they were you know they were watching, they were babysitting him, they were you know it was the nephew, they were wrestling with them, and here's something that's untapped, that's repressed that all of a sudden shows, it, shows itself. 
And so, now this, so now something is acted on that shouldn't have been acted on, but because you know it doesn't, it doesn't know, it doesn't know not to come out because it's an emotion, it's an expression, it's an activity, a sexual activity. Then it's it's unbridled. Sure, uh, and you, know, you are not you are not. I, I kind of want to clarify some of that because I, I think that uh, we can misunderstand that in a lot of ways. Because I think one of the one of the problems that has been created is when people have said that when this idea has been created that anyone who is gay is much is more likely to be a child predator. And you're not saying that, right? Oh no, I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. But here's what I. I am saying I am saying that a person who has who has suppressed sexual sexual desires that are that are not that are not directed properly. I think they run a greater risk of becoming a sexual predator because they're sexually frustrated. And, and, so and that, at the most inopportune time, it can show itself. I and believe, that repression, I that repression is creating that, not simply the. Not simply the that, not simply them being gay. No, sir. Yeah. I don't know. I don't believe that. I was talking with uh, someone just a, a few days ago who who said to me something I thought was really interesting, and they said that that when you start to understand the issue of homosexuality differently, it changes the way you understand God. Um, and this was someone who's been in kind of uh, in a conservative church their entire life and had a certain perspective that comes from that kind of church, um, but is probably developing a lot of different ideas as time has gone on. Uh, what do you think of that? Do you think that is the case? Does our understanding and view of God change when we change our understanding of how God made individuals? Yeah, I think I think that's one of the things that can change how you how you view God, how you understand, how you understand him. Um, but I don't think it, it changes the view of how we understand God any more than someone, um, changing, changing their position on any other thing. Like, uh, in the black church, you know, women, women couldn't preach, you know, they're, they're not allowed to be preachers. They're not allowed to be, they're not allowed to be pastors. It could be, it could be something as simple as, you know, you didn't, women didn't cut their hair or men, weren't allowed to grow beards or mustaches. I think anything that that is that is changed from a from a from a doctrinal a dogma standpoint has the ability to open a person's mind, a person's spirit, a person's view to something other than what they've always known. Mm, and yeah. the more you open your mind and you open your spirit, then the more you're able to see God because you see him in, in many different facets and in the things, in the ways and the places that you didn't see him or experience him or, you know, you can now see, you can now see him yeah. and you start to see him in things that you never thought he was in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of your concerns has been the the black church, the black community in general and the way being gay has been viewed. Can you say a little bit about that? Well, it's just it's just been really, you know, it's the it's just the most damnable thing that you can do. Hmm. And it's the worst thing that you can do. And, you know, you're going to ruin the family reputation. 
And, you know, we're not going to be viewed the same in the church. We're not going to be viewed the same in the community. We're not going to be viewed, you know, our family is not going to be viewed the same at the family reunion because you're gay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're messing, you're messing up everything. Why can't you just, you know, why can't you just keep it down? Why can't you just do what you do? Why, you know, why does it have to be out in the open? Why do you have to let the world know? All, all of that comes, all of that comes all of that comes with it. You know, it's in a whole identity. It's in a whole identity issue um, that that's there for everybody, not just the person who's gay. It becomes, you know, my mother's not, I'm not just a gay man. Now my mother is now the mother of a gay son. My father's now the father of a gay son. Mm-hmm. I have siblings who are now the brother or sister to a gay brother. So, and then you what, know? what problems does that create? Well, I mean, you know, for, for, for many, for many um, families, it creates that, that divide of, we start to talk about, you know, um, I don't condone what you do, but I love you. <laughs> you know, I don't have to agree with you to love you. No, you don't have to do anything to love me except love me. Um, and it creates divides because now people, you know, think that, oh, my God, what, you know, because certain scriptures start to come up. What fellowship does light have with darkness? And, mm-hmm. you know, the Bible says to shun the very appearance of evil. So we couldn't possibly invite him over to the house for dinner. And he certainly can't bring his partner or his boyfriend because, you know, are we now saying it's okay if we allow him to come? You know, all all of those things play into, you know, playing to someone taking that, you know, taking that position that they are gay and other family members, you know, believing that they have to take a stand as a Christian and, and to let you know that they don't approve of it. Yeah. And if they, you know, because if they start, start allowing you to come around, then they're saying to God that it's okay. And, yeah. you know, he'll never change as long as we accept him and, and let him come around. So... Um, you know, I would imagine for many, many years, there's still going to be a conflict within the Christian church. And how do we navigate that? Do you think there is still a way for there to be disagreement, but to still treat each other with respect, with dignity, and to get along? Yes. I think I think there is. And that is and that is that is that is what my mission is. You know, my mission is not to have theological debates or scriptural debates about whether some this is, you know, whether something is is interpreted correctly or incorrectly or, you know, you, you you're you're taking that out of context. That is not my mission. My mission is to say, if you believe that this is a sin, then I, I'm OK with that. If I'm okay, if somebody else says that this, I agree that this is a sin, but God is going to forgive me because I was born in sin, shape, and iniquity, I'm okay with that. If somebody says that you've interpreted the scripture wrong and this is clearly not a sin to them, I'm okay with that. I think that we need to learn to allow everybody, because this is what I believe is true, whether we would, whether people realize it or not. All of us have our own theology and our theologies determine what churches we attend. But no one person, not every person, the majority of the people that sit in any one church does not agree with everything that that, ter- that that church teaches. Yeah. You know, so so it is it is saying that, you know what, we do have differences. But the real issue is you still have a relationship with God. I still have a relationship with him. If we're all made in his image and his likeness, then I don't have to agree with you in order to love you because somebody else is sitting there saying, well, that brother's been married three times and his other two wives are alive. You know, the scripture doesn't, the, the scripture doesn't support that. Yeah. So, you know, 
any one of us could go along these theological routes to now disprove of what each other is doing rather than saying that, you know what, you have your relationship. I have my relationship. This is just where we come to worship. This is where we come to do to do um, to do kingdom work together. And I don't have to be deciding whether you're correct or whether you're wrong because I have my own relationship to work out. Sure. I think that's and that's where I want. That's that's my mission to say, you know what, we don't have to have the debate about whether it's right or wrong. Because you only have one person that you really need to account for, and yeah. that's yourself. And so, if Jason's okay, if Jason's okay having a glass of wine, then I don't, I don't need to have a conversation about why Jason thinks it's okay for him to glass have a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, that's, you know, Jason's, that's Jason's issue. It has really. I think I've had a bit of a problem with the fact that it seems the question always is: Is it right or wrong? Yep. Um, and that's the question around a lot of issues, but m- maybe it's the wrong question. Um, well, I, I, I mean, I think it maybe it's wrong. a it, maybe it's a futile question. Yeah, I think it's the wrong question uh, because you know, because again, any anyone you know, like I told somebody, the guy wanted to he, he wanted to ask me, well, how do you justify that and use scripture and don't use thought? Well, I told him, I said, well, you know, I'm not going to do that because I can use scripture to show you where I can. I can use scripture to show you where I can't. You know, and so that's that's not, you know, for me, that's not the question. The question the question really is, you know, OK, where where you know, where's the love? Where's the patience? Where's the gentleness? Where's the meekness? Where's the temperance? You know, where 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 is all of that? Because, you know, where where you live, where you choose to work, whether you choose to eat meat or not, you hunt, you kill animals. Or not. I mean, we, it can go so far that we've now got so many different sex of religion and why we have certain denominations because you know we eat meat and you don't yeah or you know we 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 believe in christmas trees and we don't (laughs) Mm -hmm. it it can it's gotten so it's gotten so you know so separate on on issues that really in my opinion don't don't matter because one thing i do know is that if if you and i have if you and i have love it's going to be visible Mm -hmm. and i think that's you know hey Let's hang, you know, let, if we want to hang out on something, let's get the love straight and, let, you know, loving ourselves and let's get the loving our neighbors, the, you know, the way we love ourselves and the way we love God. And I think the rest of the rest of the things will take care of themselves. Yeah. Um, it's when we start to decide um, that we we're the voice of God and that he's speaking through us. And, you know, what he shared with me is what is what he wants me to tell you. Um, I think that's where, you know, that's where a lot of it goes. A lot of it goes wrong. And a lot of pastors feel feel that they're obligated to you know to tell people that um or to teach that way but what are they teaching usually what somebody else taught them or what they learned in seminary you know um so it's it's i think it's um the the the, the conversation and the argument will probably be there for some years but i do believe that 20 probably 20 years from now it this conversation that we're having will be like oh my god i can't believe they had that conversation in 2015 Mm -hmm. nobody even cares anymore yeah (laughs) I do believe that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you chatting with me. If uh, if oh, folks sure. would like to hear more from you or, or or see some things that you've done, is there places they can look? Yes, they can. Um, they can look for me on Facebook, um, Mitchell Jones. I'm there. My Twitter and Instagram handles are um, both Ask Pastor Jones. And lastly, I've got a website. Um, it's Live Life Live. And the Live Life Live, L-I-V, um, on the end, it's just the L-I-V, LiveLifeLive.com is where I'm going to be hanging out and 
I'm going to be start um, start promoting my book and some of my uh, you know seminars and webinars and things will be posted there. So yeah, they can find me. All right, great. Well, I appreciate you chatting with me, and uh, we'll talk to you again before long.